Well, welcome. Glad that you are all here. Hope that uh, the rain wasn't too difficult to navigate a new parking lot and a new experience. want to thank the hotel for hosting us, and I really want to take a moment and acknowledge people that have put in countless hours setting up lighting and sound and video and over and over. So many people. It takes literally a village to make something like this happen, and uh, if I were to start naming names, it would go into the dozens of dozens of people. But folks, they really made this happen for us, and I know you just you, you jumped the gun a little bit, but can we together thank the people that really have done this? They really have made something awesome happen for us. All right. So Jay had mentioned just a few minutes ago that we are in a, a series about angels. So let me explain that in case you haven't been here. We're not lifting up angels for the sake of angels. We're jumping off this thought that around the Christmas story and the birth of Christ, angels were sent to pronounce, to announce, and to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. And so we're telling that story using the angels and their different stories as our, our series. And so this weekend, uh, this Christmas Eve, we come to the final message in that series. And I'm going to talk about angels and good news. And how about this? How many of you could use some good news right now? Because it seems to me that, man, almost every day, if it's not every day, it's not a lot of good news that we see coming through media. It's not a lot of good news that we're reading about. It's not a lot of good news. It's like a constant threat and a constant uh, warning and a constant trouble ahead. And I just felt like the Lord had put on my heart that literally the word gospel and the announcement of the angel concerning the birth of Christ, it all begins with God saying, I bring you good news. Good news. And so if I could do anything and give you anything this afternoon, it would be that you leave here with the understanding that God has good news for you and that God wants that pronounced upon his people. So as we are about to jump into a message concerning good news, I do want to take just a second and I want to recognize, right? I know, like, Pastor, you said good news, and then all of a sudden you're talking about something sad. It's not sad, but it's a recognition that the last couple of years have been difficult for a lot of people. That we literally gather here uh, this afternoon knowing that some people in this room have lost loved ones in the last year when the service was over, the first service, the one o'clock, walking out of uh, the doors and into the foyer. I ran into two people who lost their spouses, two different people who lost their spouses in the last year that are going through their first Christmas without a spouse this year. One told me he was married for 49 years when he, when he lost his spouse. And so I don't mean to take us into that place, but I realize this has been a difficult year for many people, not just with loss, but with financial issues that are going on, with looking at the future right now, and there's a lot of uncertainty. And I felt like that's what makes the message even more promising and more powerful, that if you have around you trouble, that's what makes good news so good, doesn't it? That in the midst of all the stuff going on, God offers us good news. So if you will indulge me, I want to read the Christmas story, right, from Luke chapter 2, the very one that Linus read uh, to the peanuts. And so uh, let me do this. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 14. It's my favorite version of the Christmas story. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David... He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came 
for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said, I bring you I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying in loud, loud singing glory, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So when I was writing the message, I happened to Google this idea, phrases of good news. Phrases of good news. And so what I was looking for was not something that I could find in one of my concordances or something that I could find necessarily on a Christian website. What I was looking for is just out there at large, people who may or may not know God, is there some common theme that people like to hear. And over and over and over again, if you want to go home and Google it, you'll find it for yourself. But phrases that people like to hear. And here's what I think it shows. I think that whether you're a believer or not, God created in the heart of all people the desire for these things that I'm about to read to you. And then the connection is this. I think the gospel answers the cry of a person's heart. And let me show you what I mean. Here's the four phrases that all people love to hear. Number one... I was thinking about you. How nice is it to know someone's thinking about you? Now you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if that's good or not. So let me give you a tension story that kind of goes in the opposite. Now, by the way, I'm not, I'm not glorifying this. I'm not saying that this was right, but I happened to witness this and it works well for a counterpoint to the idea of somebody was thinking about you. Years and years ago, I got invited to play in this really fancy golf tournament. It was way, way above my pay grade, way, way above my social status, and I get invited to it. And at the time, Jay Cutler, why does it bring that laughter whenever I say, he was the Broncos quarterback at the time. Do you remember? Some of you think it couldn't be worse. It can be worse, believe me. It could be worse. And so we had Jay Cutler at the time, who at the time, I don't think he's this way now, but at the time he was very full of himself. And not a lot of people liked him. And he was the MC uh, at, this, at this tournament, and he was going to speak. And so we played golf first, and he had an entourage around him, and no one could get close to him. No one could get his autograph. You couldn't walk up and shake his hand. All of these people kind of kept him uh, away from everybody. You just couldn't even talk to him. And so it was kind of like that. And during the tournament, they had free um, beverages. <laughs> Adult beverages. And I think he enjoyed himself a great deal. So when it was time for him to give the speech, he was pretty adult beveraged out. How about, is that, a, is that a good way to say it? And so he stood up, and at the time, remember, he's a young guy, he's very full of himself, not a lot of people like Jay Cutler. He kind of came across as a prima donna. So he stood up, and he began his speech, and he was just ripping on things. And you could just tell in the room, it was just such a negative. And, and as he's talking, Elway walks into the room. Like the heir apparent is now faced with the 
end-all, be-all, right? And so Cutler, instead of recognizing Elway in a classy way, he says some derogatory comment to John Elway in front of everybody. Elway doesn't miss a beat. He goes, I just came from a meeting with Mr. Bolin, and guess who was asking about you, Jay? And he goes, who? And Elway goes, nobody. <laughs> so that's exactly what happened. Dude, it was like, freeze out. So let me make the point one more time. How good is it to know that someone's thinking about you? <laughs> so again, I just Googled four phrases that people like to hear, and it didn't come from a Christian website. I think it's just in the heart of all people that we want to know that someone cares about us. We want to know that someone's thinking about us. We want to know that we matter. That it, we count. That we're not just drifting through space. That we're not just taking up time. That we're not just uh, living in order to die but that our lives matter and that we matter to people. We want to know that someone's thinking about us. And then the second phrase that people love to hear, this phrase, it's going to be all right. How good is it to know in the light of a pandemic that never seems to go away, that if I tell you it's going to be all right, I'm not just saying something that's not true. God promises it's going to be all right. I read the end of the book and we win. It's going to be okay. And then the third phrase that people love to hear, listen to this, all is forgiven. How good is it to know that when everything's said and done, God has mercy for us. If you're on the other side of needing forgiveness, how important are those words for someone to say to you, all is forgiven. And then the fourth and final phrase that people love to hear, I love you. Three incredibly important words. Now, when I read that, I thought those four are right, but I added three more to it that weren't in there. These are my three. Can you agree with these three? So maybe there's not just four sayings, there's seven sayings. Here's, here's my three. Uh, supper's ready. <laughs> Anybody else love those words? I love those words. How about this? I got the check. <laughs> love those words. Here's the last one. Have you been losing weight? You look good. <laughs> Even if it's not true, what is it about that? That makes us feel so good. Now, I added the last three. But here, let me, let me pull this together. I want you to pay attention to this real quickly. So what I was looking for, four phrases that are in the heart of all people. These aren't from Christians, but I think that Christians fall into this category. I think this is humanity. Four phrases that all humans are longing for. Listen to them again, and then pay attention to my point. One, I'm thinking about you. Two, it's going to be all right. Three, all is forgiven. And four, I love you. Now listen to this. The gospel contains all four of those things. It's God's promise to you. I'm thinking about you. It's going to be okay. All is forgiven, and I love you. That's the good news. And so regardless of the time, the day, the place that we live in, this good news never gets old. This good news never expires. There's not a shelf life on the good news of Jesus Christ. And do you know literally the word gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, literally translated is good news. Why do we take something that's so good and tend to make it so bad for people? Why do we add on all the other stuff? Why do we make it do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't smell that, don't drink this, don't go there? Why do we take the good news and attach so many other things to it? Why don't we keep it simple like God did? I'm thinking about you. It's all going to be okay. All is forgiven and I love you. There's the good news. And I can promise you today that that good news that was true 2,000 years ago is still true today. God loves you. The good news is just that. 
It's good news. It's good news because this gospel is for all people. Now listen to this statement because I wrote this down because I wanted to say it the right way. So listen. We are preconditioned to think or to believe that the more exclusive something is, the more it's worth. That the more rare it is, the harder it is to get our hands on, the more it's worth. And conversely, we tend to believe that the more universal something is, it can't be special or it can't be valuable. But listen, the very thing that makes this such good news is that it's not just for the chosen few. It's not just for you or the people that are sitting in this room. This good news, listen, is available to all people in all places all the time. It's not just for a few people in North America or for some Jews in Israel or for some Africans. It's for everybody, regardless of where you were growing up, who you are now or what you've done. This good news is for all people in all places at all times. When I'm writing the message, I saw something that I guess I never recognized it before. And you'll know this to be true. Because even if you're not a believer, you're aware of the Christmas story because we're so inundated with it this time of year, the wise men. And the wise men, typically, the way that we view the wise men is that at the birth of Jesus, which the Bible doesn't say this, by the way, but at the birth of Jesus, you usually see in a manger scene, a crush scene, you see the baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph, a cow and a sheep and a donkey, and then you see three wise men who bring gifts to Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, they didn't arrive when he was an infant. They arrived when he was actually two or three years old. I bet you didn't know that. But this is what's really interesting. There was a prophecy about the wise men from the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament. So this is from Isaiah chapter 60. And when I was writing the message, for the very first time I saw something about the universality of the gospel, that it's for all people in all places at all times. So let me, let me show you this. This is a prophecy about the wise men coming to visit Jesus 800 years before Jesus was born. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Now look, all nations will come to your light. Mighty kings, these are the wise men, mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands. Vast caravans of camels will converge on you. The camels, now look at the places that it's mentioning. Now these are Old Testament names. And I'm going to tell you in modern language where these places are. The camels of Midian and of Ephah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense. What did the wise men bring? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And will come worshiping the Lord, which is why the wise men came, was to worship Jesus. These three countries that are mentioned are modern-day Saudi Arabia, modern-day India, and modern-day Iran. And I think there's a little mystery here that God put in the Bible that is this talking about the universality of the gospel that these three places today are in direct opposition to Christianity and into the gospel. And yet they're the very places that God mentions 
came to Jesus. I think it's God telling us, listen, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord before it's all said and done. The university of the gospel is this. It's not for a bunch of people who say I'm Christian and it applies to them. It's for every person in every place all the time. This gospel is for everybody. And what makes it powerful is that it's not rare for only a few. It's universal for whosoever will may come to Jesus. And that's the good news. And then last but not least, it's good news because ultimately it's the proof that God loves us. Now listen, I'm going to transition this message. I'm going to end with this. And I'm going to be unapologetic about something. Perhaps you came with the idea that this would be some traditional service. They'll probably light candles. They'll probably sing Kumbaya. We'll probably go home with frankincense and myrrh type smells. Sorry. Wrong church. Wrong time. Wrong pastor. I'm going to use this opportunity to try to bring reconciliation between you and God. We've turned Christmas into something that it was never intended to be. As precious as it is to look at the birth of Jesus, it's important to realize that it's not a baby in a manger that it's all about. It's about the fact that God sent His Son to this earth to live, to die, and to be resurrected for every person in this room. And that if you understand the true meaning of this story, it's not some cute little thing that just simply is like a wink and a smile and then off we go in space and time. This is supposed to change everything. And I would be totally remiss if I don't bring you to a place to understand that God is offering to you his friendship, relationship. He loves you and he chooses you. And he wants you in turn to choose him. Listen to these two statements. Jesus has died for every sin that's ever been committed yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the importance of that is that if his death didn't cover every sin yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then he would have to come back in every generation and die again and again for that generation. But his death once and for all took care of all sin. So listen, God is not holding your sin against you. He's already forgiven all of your sin when he crucified his son on the cross so that standing between you and God today is not all the stuff that you've done the Bible says the handwriting of offense that was against us our sin has been taken out of the way having been nailed to the cross of Christ so the only thing then that is left is to be reconciled with God to say to him I want relationship with you I'm gonna prove it to you from the scripture when I was a kid my mom had this Bible and on the Bible, she had a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, on the cover of her Bible. And she gave me that Bible when I went into ministry. This has always been an important scripture to me. So I'm going to read to you this truth from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at this. All of this, everything that I'm teaching you, all of the good news of the gospel, Jesus coming to this earth, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. And look what it means. God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them because Jesus has already taken care of them. And he's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us and we speak for Christ when we plead with people, come back to God. So let me explain reconciliation real quickly. Forgiveness is one party. You can hurt me, you can offend me, and whether you care or whether you ever say you're sorry, I can choose to forgive you, right? It's the power of forgiveness. But we're not reconciled because reconciliation is a two-party issue. The offended party has to be willing to forgive, but the offending party, the one who did the sin, has to say, I was wrong and I need your mercy. So to be reconciled to God is to recognize that you need his mercy and that he offers his forgiveness and you say yes to his forgiveness. That's what it means to be reconciled. And we can go through life thinking, well, I went to church or I read the Bible or I sang the song and everything must be okay. It's not okay unless you say to God, I need you. Forgive me. I need your mercy. I need your grace. And I don't care if we never see each other again, if you never darken the door of a church again. This is universally true. You must choose to be reconciled to God. God is not standing like this towards you or like this waiting for you. He stands like this inviting you. Will you be reconciled to him? Will you say yes to his mercy and yes to his grace and yes to relationship? And I know I take a Christmas message that is so sweet and I try to make it confrontational almost in that it all is for nothing if you let this moment go by and don't say yes to Christ. Paul says we spend our time trying to persuade, to beg, be reconciled to God. He loves you. He cares for you. And I know maybe you sit there and you're like, but I have so many questions. Your questions are valid. Your questions have a place. But this is true. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and knocks. And if any person hears him knocking and opens the door of their heart, Jesus is willing to come in to give you, give mercy to you, and have relationship with you. Your questions can be answered in light of that. They're valid, they have a place, but I'm telling you what comes first is saying to God, I need your mercy and I need your grace. Where are you at with that issue? I'm going to let you go in two minutes. But I want to facilitate, where are you at with this? Because if we never do see each other again, I don't want to feel bad about the fact that I let you go without ever having the opportunity to be reconciled to God. Now, I'm not asking you if you want to join church. I'm not asking you if you need religion. And I'm for sure not asking you if you're ready to be good. I'm asking you if you need to be reconciled to God. Listen to my words. Do you want to be reconciled to God? Everyone, man, woman, old, young, Everyone will stand before the Lord and answer for this question. Do you want to be reconciled to God? Now's the time that you decide. Will you pray with me? Father, I love you. Thank you for allowing me these few minutes to do exactly what Paul said. You've given me this great task, ministry, opportunity, privilege to try to reconcile people to you. Lord, I take it serious. I take serious that you sent Jesus. I take serious all of our traditions and all of the fun stuff that we do around this holiday. But Lord, it really is about one thing. 
This is the proof that you love us and that you're reaching out to us. Jesus is the manifestation of your heart on this earth, reaching out for people. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but could have eternal life. What do you say? What do you choose? Now listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not here to put pressure on you. I'm not going to parade you around. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to do anything weird to you. But I do want to facilitate in this moment an opportunity for you to say, I hear the Lord knocking. And I want to open the door. I want God in my life. I need His mercy and I need His grace. I need to be forgiven. I want to be reconciled. If that's you, and you say, Pastor, I hear that. I feel that. I see that. I need that. When you're praying, would you pray for me? If that's you and you just say, Pastor John, remember me when you pray, would you raise your hand right now real quick? No one's counting. No one's looking. No one's going to come to you. But we just want to pray for you. I'm trying to facilitate a decision right now. If you're like, do I have to raise my hand? No. No. It's what's in your heart that matters. But raising your hand is an act of just saying, I need God. I want to be reconciled. Anybody else? Just pastor, pray for me today. It's unfortunately, because of the light in my eyes, it makes it difficult for me to see. And I'm not sure where you are, but if you're responding right now. In the last service, we had 50 people. 50 people who responded to this. And we want to give you a chance to find this friendship with God. So if you want in on this prayer, listen and make this yours. Father, for every person, old, young, man, woman, every person, regardless of where they are in life, those who are far away and those who are very close, those who are here in person, those who are literally hundreds and thousands of miles away, maybe on the other side of the world, listening right now. Maybe when you listen to this, it'll be after the fact. But regardless of when you hear it, right now, God, in His power, draws everyone close in one moment and offers this invitation to life. And if you need His mercy, then just say to Him, God, be merciful to me. If you need His friendship, Say, God, I need your friendship. If you need to be forgiven, say to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But if you hear the Holy Spirit call, you hear the Holy Spirit talk, don't harden your heart right now. Don't turn away. Don't reject truth. This is an important moment in history, but in your life. God, help me. God, be merciful to me. God, I need you. No matter how you say it, it's just that you mean it. And I promise you, if in sincerity you ask for God's help, He will come to you and He will give that to you. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for sending Jesus. We celebrate so much your goodness in your life. Bless the rest of this afternoon, all the gatherings this evening everything that will take place tomorrow and this weekend, we just thank you. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.